Before I um, talk a little bit about Purim, I'd like to, uh, as I always do every year, invite everybody on Purim Day to, um, to the world-famous shack, um, which is um, everybody that was there knows what it is, and everybody that hasn't been there will find out what it is, but even the people, I guess, on tour anytime um, who would like to come I think uh, is invited and um, men only. Um, there's a well-known question about the name of the holiday of Purim. The Megillah itself calls the Yantip by the name of Purim. Megillah says that the reason why we call these days Purim is Al-Shem HaPur, because there was a lottery that was drawn, that was cast by Haman to determine the day on which Klal Yisrael would be destroyed. Of course, the day was Yud Gimel Adar. Haman arrived at that day by casting lots. And that's why we call the entire Yantiv of Purim, Purim al-Shem ha-Pur, because of this lottery that, that Haman drew. And the obvious question is, that seems to be such a minor detail in the huge story which is Purim. Such a tremendous story. There are so many elements of Purim. There are a whole... Svarim, volumes and volumes about the lessons, the Musr that we could take from Purim, and about the Nisim, the Nisim Nistarim, and about all of the Messiris Nefesh, and about Tshuva, and about Tfilah, about all of the great parts of Purim, and we're calling it Purim al Shem Apur because it happens to be that Haman used the lottery. Why is that such a big deal? I could have come up with 50 better names for the Yantiv than Purim. Actually, it sounds good. Purim has a nice ring to it, of course, but in terms of the understanding of why we call it Purim, it seems to be very difficult that the Megillah chose this word, Purim, Al-Shem to name the entire wonderful Yantiv. We're going to get to the answer, but we're going to first take a little detour and go back to the beginning of time, back to the beginning of history, and we're going to show exactly the difference between Klal Yisrael and Amalek in terms of their perception of the running of the world. And once we have a little bit more clarity in that, then I think we'll be able to come up with a a very good explanation for why Purim is so integral to the understanding of this Yantif. At the beginning of time, on the last day of creation, the capstone of creation, Yayma Shishi, everything that he did, and he said, it's good, it's very, very good. What I did was excellent. I did very good work with Shashis Mebereshis. The planets are running fine and the trees are growing nicely. The behemoths are grazing well. Adam is doing what 
he hopefully will be doing. But the Medrash says that you know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said was Taiv Ma'id, not just all the brilliance of creation. Zoom Mida Kineged Mida. The Medrash says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says what was Taiv Ma'id, what was really good about what I created in this world, was the fact that I am running the world myself, with Ashkocha Pratis, but very exacting Ashkocha Pratis, not just some writing an overview of the world and putting it in cruise control and delegating powers in the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs everything by himself, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so meticulous with the running of the world that he even goes to great measures that when he runs the world, it's run up, he mida k'neged mida. That's taiv ma'ayit, says Hashem. Everything that I do, you will see my fingerprints in creation daily. Because whatever happens in life, there is a quid pro quo. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is responding to something that we do. When we do good, HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds in an exact way. When we do bad, HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes us in an exact way. And through this medium of Midah Kineged Midah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows how omnipotent He is in the world. How you can't get away, you cannot avoid HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ashkachapratis. Otherwise you could chalk it up to anything that you want, but it's too exact, it's too perfect. The way HaKadosh Baruch Hu reflects everything in the Bria that the odds of there not being a Rabbi Shalom is nil. And that's all borne out by this Midah Kineged Midah. When Kla Yisrael left Mitzrayim, the Eser Makis was all Midah Kineged Midah. The Mepharshim go through and say how every one of the Eser Makis, every single one of the Isis and the Maifsim were in response to terrible atrocities that the Egyptians performed against Klai Yisrael. Because of those atrocities, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not leave, not a single one of them unanswered. HaKadosh Baruch Hu retaliated in kind and made it clear that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was in control. So much so that when Yisrael, who was a, a guy who was Ayyved, every Avedizara in the world, there wasn't a single God that Yisrael did not experiment with. When he saw what happened in Mitzrayim, when he saw Kriya Samsov, he says to Meish Rabbeinu, Atayadati, now I know, Ki Gadar Hashem Mikalalehim, God, the Jewish God, is greater than all of the other gods in the world. Ki Badava Asher Zadu Aleim because of what he did, what he committed against the Egyptians. And Rashi says, what does it mean, Kibadava Asher Zadu Aleim? Zadu is from a Russian of Nizid Adashim, like a cholent, a pot, a boiling pot. Bikadera Shebishlu Bamisbashlu. In the very same way that the Egyptians tried to drown the Jewish babies, the boys, HaKadosh Baruch Hu drowned the Egyptians in the Yamsuf. Everything was tit for tat. Everything was midah k'neged midah. 
And when Yisrael saw Midah Kenegad Midah, he could not turn away anymore from the Rabbi Yisrael. There was no way for him to continue going after other Avedazaris in the world of Eitz Ve'Evan. He couldn't avoid it. Sometimes you see something in life and it's just simply unavoidable. You can't pretend that you didn't see it. Yisrael was intellectually honest and he saw what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did and how he did it. Midah Kenegad Midah, he says, now I know that the Jewish God is the God. You can't compare. How am I supposed to compare any other God to the Jewish God? Midah Kenegad Midah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu signs his name on the Bria every single time Midah Kenegad Midah comes into play. It's obvious. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so exacting in the way he runs the world. There can't be any, any other way of seeing the world other than being controlled by a God. And this is the way the world was going. From time immemorial, the people of the world, when they saw the greatness of the Rabbi Yisrael and how he punishes the enemies of Klal Yisrael, Midah Kenegad Midah, they had to admit all the great nations of the world, all the great kings, all the emperors, they, they took their crowns off to the Rabbi and they said, you are the Melech, we can't, we can't compete. But there was one nation, of course, that said, I still don't believe. Yeah, it looks good, maybe, but I still deny the existence of God. And with all the Midah Kinegamida, I can look away. Not only can I look away, but I'm going to cause everybody else to look away. They did not want to recognize and to acknowledge the existence of the Rabbi Shalom in the world, in his world. And that nation that did Milchama against HaKadosh Baruch Hu was, of course, Amalek. The Pasuk says, Asher Karcha chanced upon Klal Yisrael on the way as they were leaving Egypt. They were leaving Mitzrayim triumphant. Klal Yisrael was on the ascent. Nobody could touch them. Nobody wanted to touch them. Everybody was afraid and petrified of this great nation who has God on their side. And Amalek steps to the plate and says, uh-uh. We are not afraid of you. Asher karcha baderech, aloshen mikra. We say that everything is by chance. It's all coincidental. All that happened in Mitzrayim, all the Asher Makis, I could chalk it all up to nature. I'll never forget, we used to invite Archem to our house on Pesach by the Seder and my father was, took the Seder very seriously and he, he always, you know, wore his starch kittel and the, 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 the silver was gleaming and the plates and everything was just so. My father and my mother put a lot of, Yivad Chaim put a lot of effort into the Seder making it beautiful. And one year we had a, a guest and this woman was, I don't know if we, we didn't vet her properly. She wasn't screened before she was invited, or maybe she was, I don't remember exactly what the story was, but she was literally a kaifer b'ikr. And 
if it wasn't so tense in the room, it would have been pretty entertaining watching my father and her go at it. But whenever, you know, my father was speaking about, about Dam, so she would give the Reader's Digest, not the, the, the National Geographic version of Dam and how there's a tide and it's red and it's this and it's that. Everything she was making ice. Everything she was making like as if it wasn't. Now, this is uh, explainable. That's explainable. My father was like seething. My father could not take this. This is like the night that you want to give over Amuna, and this is like the opposite. But that was Amalek. Amalek was able to take the greatest Nisim in the world and completely take a pin and pop the balloon every single time. Dam, Tzvardeya, Kinim, Kriyas Yamsev. It's all nothing. It's all Mikra. It's a Lushin Mikra Rashi. says everything is pure coincidence. Let's not get so hung up on the details and on these big miracles. Eh, facts, not really a miracle. It's not Mida Kineged Mida. You're making too big a deal out of it. You're dashing too much. It's all coincidence. Here, HaKadosh Baruch brings the most earth-shattering miracles that the world has ever seen. Kriyas Yamsuf. Dam, Tzvardeya, Kinem, Arab. The whole world could not turn their heads away could not ignore it, could not say that there is anything but the Rabbani Shalom, but Amalek comes and he brazenly says to the Rabbani Shalom and to the Amma Nivchar, you're a Mikra. It's coincidence, it's nothing. It's a big zero, you're making a big mistake. Don't get carried away with these Mida Kinegami, that's not. It's a Mikra, it's all coincidence. It's flukes of nature. This is the war that Amalek wages with the Rabbi Yisrael. Every generation, there's different metamorphoses of Amalek with different disguises. But it's all the same thing. It's, it's the war of Midah Kineged Midah, of divine providence in an exact way versus the ignorance of that and saying... It's coincidence. It's Mikra. Not only did Amalek say it to themselves, they said it to the world. Rashi brings another pshat, Asher Karcha Baderech, is a Lashen Kar Vachayim. It's a Lashen of, he cooled you off. Klal Yisrael was hot. Klal Yisrael was on a roll. Klal Yisrael was undefeated. Klal Yisrael was amazing. Everybody was petrified of Klal Yisrael, they were on fire, as it were. And Amalek comes and cools down the simmering pot of Klal Yisrael and says to the world, they're not so hot. Mashal, Rashi says, of a person that sees an Ambatya, there's a boiling hot bath, and it's really hot, and everybody's afraid to jump into that to that bath, except one guy says, ah, it's not so bad. I, he jumps in even though he gets scalded in himself, but he cools it down, and everybody then feels that they can too go into this bath. Klai Yisrael, everybody was afraid of. Everybody saw Akadosh Baruch Hu's providence. 
But Amalek cooled off Klal Yisrael. We could wage war against them, and they did. They attacked Klal Yisrael. They lost the battle, but at least they, they showed that there's nothing to be afraid of. And once they did, then everybody once again thought that Klal Yisrael was... It was possible to do Mulchama against them, and many nations did Mulchama against Kal Yisrael. But this is the Mulchama. It's a Mulchama of Hashkacha Pratius versus randomness. Do you believe that God runs the world and there's no coincidences? Everything happens with a meaning, with a reason? Or do you, be, do you believe in nothing? Do you believe that there's Teva? It's all nature, letting nature run its course, its coincidence. This is the epic battle that rages between Klal Yisrael and the Umay Salem as embodied by Amalek. And this is a Muhammad Midar Ladar. Amalek had a great-grandson that he would have been very proud of. His name was Haman. Haman followed exactly in the Messiah of his grandfather. There's a Medrash that says that when Esther was confused, she was sitting in the base of Malchus, and she didn't understand what was going on. She heard that there was some decree against the Jewish people. She wanted details. Mordechai sends Hasach, the, who was Daniel, the Gemara says, as a messenger Everything that happened, he gave Esther the whole lowdown. Zuck the Medrash, what does it mean, Asher Karahu? Karahu is a lashon of Asher Karcha Baderach. Ben Benoishel Karahu, Ben Benoishel Karcha, that great grandson of Amalek, Asher Karcha Baderach, he's attacking us. He's waging war with us again. Haman also believed in Mikra. Haman believed that everything was coincidental. Don't read too much into it. Everything is by chance. Everything is happenstance. Nothing should we assign any divine providence to. And Haman cooled off of Achashmerish. Just like Amalek cooled off the nations of the world before Haman, Haman did the same thing. Achashverosh was approached by Haman, let's destroy the Jewish people. Achashverosh, I can't. Why not? Because I'm afraid that whatever happened to my predecessors will happen to me. Look at what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Look at what happened to Balshatzar. All these people tried to do things against the Rabbi Nishayim. They made parties and they celebrated with the with the Jewish temple utensils, and look what happened. They all died. Nuchanetzer died. Balshatzer died. I'm afraid. Haman said, no, don't be afraid. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's, he gave a reason. It's different times. Now it's okay to do. And he convinced Achashverosh that the Jewish people were not a threat to him. That is what Haman does. That's what Amalek does. They try to undermine the concepts of Ashkacha Pratis, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges and judges exactly with Midah Kenegh and Midah. So again, the battle continues throughout history between Haman and Mordechai. Haman representing the belief 
in randomness and Mordechai insisting that everything is for a divine purpose. Whatever happens in life is because the Rabbi Nishlam decided that this is the way it should be. It's an interesting contrast that I once noticed between Parai and Haman. There is a a medrash that says that Mara Why did Haman decide that he is going to hang Mordechai up on a tree? Why why hanging? Why not shoot him? Why not shecht him? Why not drown him? I see if I study history that God could save Jews in many different ways. He saved Avram Avinu from the fire in her costume. He saved Yitzchak from the Akedah. He saved Yaakov from a Malach. He saved Moshe from the Cherev, a power from a sword. Yisrael he saved from the Yam. Everything that I would want to try to kill Mordechai with, Hashem has a way of saving the Jews with. So I know what I should do. I, I'm going to try to hang him because no one has ever not successfully been hanged. Hakadosh can't save somebody from being hanged, and so that's why he chose to use a tree to hang Mordechai on. Now let's compare this with a Gemara and Saita. The Gemara in Saita Yudalaf from an Aleph says, Hava nishak malai, when Pari was coming up with his plan, let's decide, let's see, how should we judge, how should we punish the Jews? Should we punish them with fire? Hashem judges with fire. We don't want to do that. What about a sword? Hashem punishes with a sword. Let's use water. Why water? Because HaKadosh Baruch already swore that he's not going to ever bring a mabel on the world. So that's a safe thing, says Parai, to use against Klal Yisrael. It's a very similar cheshven that Haman made and but there's an inherent difference if you have a discerning eye. You see, Haman said that I'm afraid, I don't, not afraid personally, I just don't want to do something that my plan could be foiled with. I don't want God to come in and rescue Mordechai. So I'll hang him on a tree because that's the one thing that God can't rescue somebody by. That's altogether different than Haman. Haman, I mean, Parai, was afraid of what? Midah can I get Midah? He is afraid if I use a sword, HaKadosh Baruch is going to get me with a sword. If I use a fire, HaKadosh Baruch is going to punish me with a fire. Power believed in Midah Kenegh and Midah. But Haman, because he was from Amalek, did not believe in Midah Kenegh. He didn't believe in the Ashkacha practice, that I could do something and God will get me back. He could save people maybe, but he's not going to be able to do something to me. And if he does, it's just coincidence. It's nothing to be read into. It's just merely coincidental. Now let's get back and discuss the lottery. 
It always bothered me why Haman chose a lottery. Why, in order to decide the fate of the Jewish people, why don't you just pick like a nice day? Pick a Mother's Day. Pick your wife's birthday. Pick a, you know some anniversary. Why are you picking? Why are you you're 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 taking lottery? You're taking something like dice, let's say, and rolling them and deciding based on that what date to destroy the Jewish people on. It seems like almost like a godly type of thing. It seems like you're using God to choose something for you, which is, and that's not Haman. Haman is a Kuiper baker. You know, when I think of a girl, I think of a girl agra. Gairel Agra, the Vilna Gain, I think it was before him, but the Vilna Gain is famous for using, when he wanted to divine what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants in a certain situation, you would take a special type of Tanakh, and you'd open it up at a random place, and then you would count a certain number of pages in one direction, and then a number of lines on that page, and whatever Pasuk it came to, that was a message from the Rabbi Yishalam to the person who was doing the Gairel Agra. And throughout history, there are many, many very fascinating stories of people that did a Gairel Agra. The Rabbi Levin did a Gairel Agra once when he wanted to... Nebuch, they had Israeli soldiers that they weren't able... They got back their bodies, but they didn't know anymore which body was which soldier. And he did a Gairel Agra to figure out every body, what the name was of that soldier, and, and to bury it in a certain grave that, uh, that was marked by that proper body's name. They say that when Ervaron Cutler had to make a decision where to um, go after the Muhammad, whether to move to Eretz Yisrael or to move to America, he did a Gari Lagra, and it came out onto the Pasuk, Vayayimah Hashem al-Arayim, Lech Likras Meisha Midbaro. Go and greet Meisha in the Midbar. He interpreted that to mean Meisha as Meisha Feinstein, Hamidbara in the desert, the spiritual desert of the time was America, and Ravana Kotler came to America and he started Lakewood, and the rest is history. There are many, many incidents of Gaira People use it even for personal things. I had a Rebbe once, and it's really, you're not supposed to use a Gaira Gra. You're not supposed to try this at home. It's really something that's very, you know, it's, it's not supposed to be used to, you know, decide. You know which job to take in the summer. It's not. It's not. That's not what it's really intended for. But I did have a rebbe who a tremendous Talmud chacham, and he once was going out with a girl, and he was uh, he wasn't sure whether or not she she, she was a geshmaka girl, and she had a lot of milas, but he was chayshah that she was a little nuts, and um, so he didn't know how to. You know how do you how do you? It's not so easy always to figure out on a few dates whether that's true or not. So he did a Gairel Agra, and the, there was a Pasuk, I forgot which Pasuk it was, but it's something to do with Meshugayim. And, and he realized then that, you know, that this girl was not well, and uh, he didn't end up marrying her, and uh, I, I think he told me that she never got married, and she's like in a, you know, in a psych ward now or something, I don't know, she, she's, but she really wasn't well. He did a Gairel Agra to determine that. The Gairel Agra is a very powerful tool. But you have to believe in the revenge. I mean, if somebody that's a Kaifer Bikr would do a Gaira Lagra, obviously it wouldn't work. What's Haman doing over here? He's taking a, making a Gaira to figure out when to destroy the Jews? What is this Gaira? How, how do you determine 
what, what are you investing in? What's the hope of a gyro? Just choose a, choose a day on your own. And I believe that the answer is that just like we worship the Rabbi Nishalem, we worship the concept of Ashkach Pratias, Mida Kenegad Mida, we see in a gyro something that's divine. Haman, when he uses a gyro, he was using the gyro as a random as a random solution to the problem. He believes in randomness. Randomness to him is his Abedazara. I believe in Teva. I believe in numbers. I believe in odds and probability. I believe that whatever it falls out on, that's what the forces of randomness chose for me. That's what Haman believes. You know, when you go and buy a lottery ticket, two people could buy a lotto, a Powerball, and they have two different kavanas. When I was buying a Powerball ticket, when it was over a billion dollars, um, so I was standing online, and the guy in front of me had like a thousand different permutations and combinations. He had to buy every single thing, you know, his wife's birthday and his birthday and his, the dog's birthday, every, everything, and he did it every different way, and he was mamish, and he had to, each one thing at a time, and this guy, the, you know, it took like, he didn't just say, give me, give me a hundred quick picks, he said like, he, every single one was with all the kavanas in the world. And then like, I go there, and he says, how many would you like to buy, sir? I said, just one. And there was a guy behind me, and he also had like a whole a whole, you know, stack of, of, he was going to spend like hundreds of dollars on his Powerball tickets. And he says, Rabbi, you're only buying one? I looked back at him, I said, only one. He says, only one? He said, yeah. I said, if God wants me to win, this is the, this is the ticket that I'm going to win with. If God doesn't want me to win, then I could buy a billion tickets and I still won't win. If you believe that there's a God in the world, then you don't need more. It's like fear to buy more than one lottery ticket. What are you buying more than one? If there's a God, he'll make you win with one. And if there's no God, then, you know, then, you're, then your odds are, are you know, it's, you have the odds of getting struck by lightning are a hundred times better than, than winning the lottery. And this guy behind me was able to be Macker the MS that he threw all of those things out and he said, me too, I'm good. just give me one. So my Sashaya. But Haman is the guy that buys a thousand lottery tickets. You know why? Because he believes in numbers. He believes in probabilities. Not that if you buy you know, a thousand, your chances will be that you're still not going to win, but at least in your mind, the numbers are better. The odds are much better. If I buy many lottery tickets, the odds of winning are, are, are greatly raised statistically. You're still, you know, you're still really far away from the prize, but at least mitzad ha-teva, you've done something. If you believe in Rebbeinshim, you've done absolutely nothing other than wasting your money. But if you believe in Teva, I'd knock down the number. I could get you exactly the statistical calculations of how much better my chances are now that I have two tickets than one ticket. And if I have a hundred tickets, I have a thousand tickets. That's the way it is. 
this poor, this lottery that Haman drew wasn't just um, a footnote of, of history. It wasn't just a little detail in the story that really didn't count. If it did, if it was, then there wouldn't be the whole Yantif named after Purim. Obviously, this is a very, very important part of the story. Mordechai believes in Ashtacha Pratis. Mordechai believes in Mida Kenegan Mida. Haman says to Mida Kenegan Mida, no way. And I'm going to draw lots, not because I believe in God, but because I don't believe in God. And my lot, whatever it comes to, that's my way of saying that I don't believe in Ashkacha Pratis. I'm taking a lottery and I'm going to believe in the odds, I'm going to believe in probability, and whatever it lands on, that is what the forces of randomness want. That's the karcha, it's the chance. I'm taking a chance. That's what the lottery is to many people. It's just I'm taking a chance. You've got to be in it to win it. You have to have a chance to win. There's no divine providence. It's all chance. So he drew the lots and it fell on the day of Yudgim Aladar. He was very happy because he thought that this was a day that's very, very good. This is a day that Rabbeinu, the month that Meshach Rabbeinu died in. And he saw that the odds of him being able to destroy the Jewish people were great. But the end of the story was that the Rabbi Shalom showed him Ashkacha Pratis, that that was the day that he was going to be foiled. This is Purim. The whole Yisait of Purim is one of Mida Kineged Mida. You know, it's such an interesting maral on Benahapechu. Benahapechu says the maral that everything flipped over onto Haman. Whatever he tried to do against us turned against him. He uses a very interesting mashal. The Bachid Yitzhak speaks about this. And he says that it's a mashal of a person that takes a ball and he throws it against the wall. And the laws of physics say that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And as hard as you throw a ball against the wall, the harder it's going to come back at you. If you throw a, a ball against the wall very tepidly, very schmack, it's going to just dribble back to you. But if you zoom it against the wall, it's going to come back at you with a vengeance. Then a hapechu, says the Maral, that's what happened to Haman. The wrath and the vengeance, the anger of Haman, all was thrown against the wall and it bounced right back at him. Imagine Haman seeing what was happening, the velocity of the Mida Kineged Mida as it was about to hit him in the face. He's being hanged on the very tree that he wanted to hang Mordechai. Can you imagine what was going through Haman's mind at that time? The Benahapecho, the Mida Kineged Mida. There was no denying for Haman the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world No denying it. And there were so many other things. With Vashti, there was Mida Kinegamida, the Gemara says. She wanted to use those B'nai Yisrael on Shabbos and embarrass them by having them work for her without clothing on. And she died on Shabbos because she refused to come before Achashverosh without clothing. Mida Kinegamida was staring them in the face.
the very day that Klai Yisrael was supposed to be destroyed, that was the day that we won. We drink wine on Purim because all of the Nisim took place at the Mishnah with wine. Everything, the whole Yantiv is designed, this whole day is all Midah Kenegabin, that's all Benahapechu. Purim is a major component of the day. This poor that Haman, because it gives us a perspective on life. How do you buy a lottery ticket? How do you view life? Do you view it as a chance? Or do you view it as Ashkacha Pratis? Haman made a fatal mistake in seeing life like his grandfather did. The Mikra. Everything is just like chance. Nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. And Bechal Darvadar, this is the greatest plague that we have. When we believe Hashkacha Pratis, then we see the Rabbi Nishalim in every element of our life. We could be Purim Dikayidin. We could be like Mardachai. We could be like Esther. We could see everything with divine eyes. But so many of us sometimes get caught up with the cynics that say, meh, don't, don't, you know, that's ridiculous. Don't think that way. It's not Shkacha This is the way things happen. Things happen. This is the way politics happens. This is the way Muhammad happens. This is the, world, the way the world works. There is sickness sometimes. Sickness happens to people. Young people die. Statistically, we could bring statistics for everything. Statistics can answer anything that we want and make ourselves all in denial of the Rabbeinu Shalom's touch on everything in, in the world. Purim is a day that we're supposed to feel the Rabbeinu Shalom's presence, not with the great miracles, but with the hidden miracles. See the Ashkacha Pratis with our eyes, but you need special glasses, you need special Purim glasses to see the world with Ashkacha Pratis, because otherwise the forces of Amalek are so strong that it blinds a person from being able to see the truth. I want to talk a little bit about Purim just as a preparation for how to really prepare for Purim. Midah Kenegad Midah I think in a lot of our minds works that it's just a lesson. It's after the fact. Then we could see how things were Midah Kenegad Midah. Rebchaim Shemalevit speaks about this. HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges Midah because that way we can know what we did wrong. If all of a sudden I get uh, my eyes start hurting me, I shouldn't have looked at that thing the other day and now my eyes are hurting me. My foot hurts me, must be because I walked somewhere that I shouldn't have walked to. So I know what to do tshuva for. That's the way we commonly look at Midah and that's true. But there's another very powerful way of utilizing Midah as a tool. And that is that if we're able to do good things with our life, then we're able to create a backlash of good in our own life. If we want to make sure that our life is full of good, we have to do good and then the Rabbi Yishon will respond Midah in a positive way. Just like that ball that Haman threw against the wall, it came back, the boomerang effect, in a negative way. The boomerang effect works in a positive way. If we unleash the power of good, 
it will come back to us in an amazing way. And that's what Purim is all about. Purim is a day of doing good, of unleashing good. It's, it's, it's the purest day of the year by far. Think about what a year does on Purim, if he's doing it right. A yid is doing Mishlayach Manis. Mishlayach Manis You're strengthening friendship. What's more valuable in life than having good friends and making good relationships? Fostering bonds of camaraderie between you and another person. It doesn't mean that you take your friends that you're already friendly with and send them Shalach Manis. That could be a way of being Mekayim Mitzvah. But what about taking it to another level and finding a person that is a little lonely or you're, you maybe had a machlekes with this here and sending them shalach manas. Could you imagine how much good you're able to unleash in the Eilamas HaLyayinim by doing that? And do you know what comes back to you for that? If a person's able to extend his hand to somebody that that needs it? Do you know how when you need it, somebody's going to be there for you? What you're doing is you're investing in the forces of good and understanding that the Rabbi Shalom sees whatever we do and will pay you back for whatever you do in kind. Matanas When you give matanas you find poor people, people that need you, and you give them sorely needed money. The Rambam says that that's the greatest simcha. There's no greater simcha in the world than to be misameach, levam, lolamaelo, these people, the unfortunate people around us that need our help. You're being mechaye, the lev shvalem, and you're being mechaye, the lev nitkayim, ruach shvalem, lev nitkayim, people that are crushed, people that are downtrodden, you lift them up. And you breathe new life into them. That's the mitzvah of If we are able to give tzedakah to people, to make people feel whole again, then we will always be protected. We will never need to be on the receiving end of money. Because of midah k'negin midah. That's a very powerful force that we're unleashing on Purim. When we're able to eat a suda, mishpacha, mishpacha, forging good familial relationships, being with our family, being with our and being with our friends, together, ba'achtas, that creates a spirit of achtas in the world, and the Rabbi Nishlam pays us back, we're planting seeds on Purim, that grow in our favor, for the rest of our lives, but of all the important things that we do on Purim, there's one thing that people don't know about that we do on Purim that cannot be compared to the rest of the year. It's a different level altogether. And the Svarim HaKadoshim write, that's the tefillahs that we do on Purim. Now, Purim is not a day that you automatically, naturally equate with tefillah because tefillah is one of the things that sort of gets swept under the rug because we're so busy and we're running around, we're excited by, by Myriv, you know, to hear the Megillah and to go to a Masiva or something, to get dressed up, to do some shtick. 
and then Shachris were sick from the night before, it doesn't go too well either, and then Mincha is really a disaster, so basically the Yitzhahara gets us right where he wants us, and the Tefillahs on Purim are a disaster, one after another. But do you realize that on Purim, our Tefillahs are the most listened to, more so than any other day of the year, including Yom Kippur? The Svarim HaKadoshim write that the halacha of Kalapashit Yad Neistim Purim, whoever sticks out his hand for, for money, you're supposed to give him. You're not supposed to do any, you know, due diligence. I have to check, you know, let me see your certificate, let me see who, you know, who says that you're, 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 you're approved. Just give him. Kalapashit Yad anyone that st- extends their hand, you fill that hand with money. Fill it with what the person wants. The Svarim Akhtashim say that's true also for our relationship to the Rabbi Nishleilam. If we extend our hand to the Rabbi Nishleilam and Tefillah and Bakasha, Neistim Le'akadosh Baruch Hu gives it to us. Just ask me for something, says the Rabbi Nishleilam, and I'm Purim, I'll give you whatever you want. Davin! Our Tefillahs on Purim are so powerful. It was Kedai for everybody to come to the Shemuz just to learn this site if you didn't know it already. Purim is a day, put aside everything that you can, but daven like a mensch. All the other things are wonderful. Shachmanis, Matanis Levyainim, Kriyas and Megillah, Sudats, all obviously are very, very important mitzvahs. But the mainstay of the day, the anchor of Purim, is the Tfilos that we that we recite on Purim and the tears that we shed in those tefillahs on Purim. It's called Apeshi Yad Neisimle, the Yeshuas that come about for the tefillahs on Purim. <coughs> you can't understand them. You can't understand the greatness of those tefillahs. And do you know that tefillah itself is the greatest unleashing of Midah Kenegin Midah? I saw something very interesting from Pincus the other day. He quotes a Chazanish. The Chazanish says that whenever a person davens, there's a baskel that comes out and is speaking to the person as he's davening. So I don't know exactly what the Chazanish means, but I think Pincus may not have understood it either, but he was saying that I also hear a baskel. And I think he was speaking a little tongue-in-cheek. But this is what he said, is the basco that he hears when he's davening. When we say, Please, Hashem, give me chachma bina vadas. Rapinka says, you know, I hear a basco when I say that. And the basco says, who's stopping you from having chachma bina vadas? The base medrash is open. Go learn, go sit and learn. When I ask for Baruch Aleinu, he says, who's stopping you from having Parnassah? Go and do some business. When he says, when I say to Rabbi Yisraelim, forgive me for the Averis that I did. What do you mean, forgive me for the Averis that I did? Who asked you to do that Avera? And what Rapinkas, I believe, is saying to us is that we think in life that we are we're sort of passive participants. We're not, we're spectators in life. Things happen to us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
decides whether or not we're smart or not. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides whether we're sin-free or not. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides whether we have good parnasa or not. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides whether we have good health or not. Of course that's true, he does. But the surprising thing about life is that we have a say in the matter also. Like the Ruach, the Nefesh HaChaim says how we control the Rabbeinu Shalom in a certain way. We're Nivra B'Tselem Elikim. We're able, with our goodness or with our badness, to unleash either good or bad in the whole world. We're very powerful people. We're not passive. We're not spectators. Far from it. If only we were spectators, life would be that much easier. But we're responsible for everything that happens in life. When we do good, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us good. When we learn Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that we want Chachma and He gives us more Chachma. Just davening at the Chaim is not enough. You've got to go and open the Gemara also and learn. And try to do what you can. Hashem helps those who help themselves. You have to help yourself a little bit in life. If you want Parnassah, you have to go and try to find the Parnassah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help you with the Parnassah. But you've got to start yourself. Purim is a day that we're makir b'midak negamidah v'nahapechu. But it's not a v'nahapechu just like, oh good, Haman got his, got his due because, you know, he was very bad to us and, and we're, we take revenge against Haman today. We don't believe in revenge. That's not our religion. Meshachachma speaks about this. Barichos. How none of the yam taivim that we celebrate are to, in order to get revengeance Revenge against our, the enemies. We don't celebrate revenge. We're not that type of people. We're not bloodthirsty. It's Haidah to the Rabbi Nishlam for saving us. But it's learning the lesson of Ashkach Pratis, Halacha Lamaisa. Appreciating that what we do, the forces of good that we unleash, the Fratam Purim, will have ripple effects for ourselves, for our family, for our friends, for our community, for our children, for our grandchildren. Whatever we do in life is very important. When we do good, the Midah Kenega Midah is unbelievable. When we do bad, Lahabdil, it's terrible. But it's us that was, that's responsible. It's a very important lesson. And Purim's the, the most important day of the year because we're learning how what we do is so important on Purim. Every, we know. Is there ever a day of the year? Is there any other day in the year that people are so excited about what they're doing and that they have their whole schedule worked out like weeks in advance? I have a friend of mine who once told me, he says, you could tell if a guy's a yeshiva bacha or not by how early they start talking about Purim. <laughs> uh, we're going to do, we're going to go collecting and we're going to do, then we're going to go here, we're going to go there, we're going to you know, run to this rabbi and the shack and the this. And we have a sudan, we have a van going from here to there, like... All to hits, all taking, you know, every second counts on Purim. You know why that is? Because it does. Because there's so much that we're planting on Purim, and even if we don't know, but our mazel knows that, that the boomerang effects of Purim are so profound, there's not a second to waste on Purim. Every second is so important. It's not a day of shikras. It's not a day of hailos. It's not. I'm not speaking, you know, B'tayrus Hatzalah and B'tayrus, you know, Chil Hashem. That I'm sure you've heard many appeals about, and it's all true. It's, it's a, it's a Chil Hashem 
for people to get stone drunk and, and, and do crazy things and be and speak in a, in a, in a you know, with nivel pan, with hailos, and with wildness, and with, it's, it's a chil Hashem, in our own community, it's a chil Hashem for people, for Goyim that live amongst us, live around us, it's terrible. That's not what Purim is. Purim is a day that we're supposed to feel the Yad Hashem, feel the Ashkacha practice in our life, understand that the good that we do we're affecting future, we're affecting surroundings, we're affecting Klal Yisrael with whatever we do, every little act that we do of chesed, of Tyra, of tefillah, the Tyra that we learn on Purim is also Yeshua's. Purim is a day that's packed with potential. When we use that potential wisely, when we cry on Purim, when we laugh on Purim, when we sing on Purim, when we dance on Purim, Every step, every, every sound, every tear is priceless. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is watching in Shamayim and saying, he gets it. He understands that the more he does in life, the better it's going to be in the world. Mitzvah Hashem, we should have a wonderful Purim. Mitzvah Hashem, it should be a Purim that's that's, that's, that's important. That's not a waste. It's not a party. It's not, it's not getting trashed. It's a Purim that whatever we do, if you're drinking Yayin and you're doing it responsibly, and you're doing L'Shem Shamayim, it's Nichnas Yayin Yetzir Every year in the shack, I, you know, you see the beauty of people in a certain state of mind, whether or not they're drinking or not, but the, the Simcha Purim brings out the inner person. It takes off the masquerade, the costumes that we wear every day of the year, and you're able to really see who the person is. People come and they say, you know, they're sorry. People come and they say thank you. People come and they say, you changed my life. It's a profound day. It's a day that you, can, you can't say these things on a regular Tuesday. But on Purim you could say them. You could make friends on Purim that you've never made before. You could go over to people that you never wanted to speak to and you give them a hug. You make them feel like a mensch. Do you know the good that that unleashes in the world and in your world? When you go home, if you're eating a suda at home, or, and you tell your parents how much you appreciate what they do, or if you're not going home, you just pick up the phone, you call them, and you tell them that you love them, you know the good that that could do? You can't do that so easily on any other day, but on Purim you can. And in Purim you must. Purim is the most important. Every, every person in Chinuch will tell you the same thing. Not, I haven't gone to any Torah Masara conventions, but I've spoken to enough. Every, every, Purim is a day that a person shtigs. If you're a Bentaira, Purim is a life changer. A year without Purim is not, is not a year. And a year, if you spend Purim right, the following year is a person could all of a sudden like break through all of the mechitzas that were stopping his growth. 
he's able to like break out because of Purim. You can get closer to a Rebbe. You can get closer to a roommate, to a friend, to an enemy. Only on Purim can you do that. It's not forced, it's natural. It's just like, let's just forget about all the shliyot. Let's just move on. Let's climb out of the mud and let's become greater. <coughs> We've won the lottery. Our lives were saved. And we have to appreciate it and that's what Purim is all about. Feeling the Ashkach Pratis, feeling the divine touch Feeling the Mida Kenega Mida, understanding that Mida Kenega Mida is the most powerful tool in the arsenal of a Yid. Not just in, in hindsight, but going forward, whatever I do, I'm controlling things. I control my destiny. I'm planting seeds. Mitzvah Hashem, we should have a wonderful Purim. We should be Zaychet to see great, great accomplishments from this Purim. In Taira and in Tefillah and in Chesed and Bin Adam L'Chaveira and Bin Adam L'Amaka and Mishpacha Mishpacha year by year. It's Hashem, it should be the year that Mashiach comes. So all the G'dayim say that we're living in times of Mashiach. It's Hashem, we should be Zeichet to the sea through Mechiyas HaMolek the Binyan Beis HaMikdash from Heir Amin 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 Amin